Well, kia ora, everyone, and welcome along to Seeds Podcast. This is a little bonus episode because I was speaking with Dr. Jay Matenga and really appreciated all that he had to say. So I thought I'd just pull out some extracts from that longer conversation to whet your appetite and give you a hint of what's going to come on the longer episode. Also, this is a chance to profile a lament that he sang during the interview. Our conversation went in so many different directions. It's one of those ones that I really, really enjoyed. So I thought I'd share a bit of it with you now. I hope you enjoy it. I am Jay Martanga. I've just described some of my um, connections to the land, which pretty much is um, the east coast of of the North Island and all of the South Island. Because if we fuck up up to Kaitahu, then, you know, you can claim the whole lot. But it's actually um, my great-great-grandmother married into the Kahunganu line from Rapaki, just... Out at, um, here in Otati. So um, that I discovered when I was 42. Right. So I can recite my pipi house stuntingly, but not having grown up in uh, Te Ao Māori, in the Māori environment, tikanga Māori, but having grown up with this very deep, innate sense of kaupapa Māori, which didn't make sense to me for the longest time. Mm. Um, and so I'm part of the, the really, I think we can call it a, a Māori resurgence of, of discovery of identity from those of us who our parents had gone the way of the Pākehā mm. because that was the way of success. And their parents had been punished for speaking the reo at school, etc. I mean, um, we'll come loop back as we do in these big, Koru circles when we tell our stories. But um, sitting with my dad when I first met him at the age of 42, um, and I inter- interviewed him as part of my doctoral work, I mean, he was just wept and wept it as he was re- recalling with regret how little he knew of his own. Um, he knew uh, all of us whakapapa. He knew he was, he was the go-to guy for whakapapa, but he didn't have the reo. He didn't grow up in tikanga. He felt awkward in the marae, um, and he felt ashamed of being called uh, matua or even komatua. Mm. Um, when in, in his environment, he he grew comfortable with it eventually as he got older, but um, it always felt odd to him. Mm. So a lot of regret from, from him, and then um, I was blessed to receive that heritage mm. um, very warmly when we connected. What are you seeing, or what does that word mean, spirituality, in the sense of where we are in the moment in time? Because I'm seeing a lot more interest in this. Mm. Um, people are actually quite curious to understand another dimension of life beyond the Western conception of, I'm going to buy a better car and get a better house, and you know, ultimately my bank account is my measure of success. You know, I think we're, we're kind of getting hopefully, beyond that. But have you got any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> how long have we got? The um, materialism is getting very thin. It's becoming dissatisfying. Um, we're moving into a digital space where we're, lo- we're starting to form different types of meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in some ways deferring the... Um, finding it... It's creating a, a new sort of uh, spiritual realm in cyberspace that's becoming a proxy and we're moving out of the physicality um, Mm. uh, 
Charles Taylor again, he calls it excarnation. We're moving into a place where we're moving out of our bodies into our heads and into cyberspace. And there's all kinds of dangers with a disembodied reality. Mm. Um, we're created as human beings to be harmonious with our environment, with one another. And uh, there are some challenges ahead for us uh, theologically, uh, regardless of your particular theology, we're going to have to wrestle with what does this cyberspace mean for us spiritually. Um, so my expression, my access to spirituality is through the um, Protestant faith. Mm-hmm. So that's um, the way, that if we, if you will, don't want to blind your listeners with science, but it's our hermeneutic community. That's the way we interpret reality and, you know, People can see evangelicalism in an American sense as being very impositional and pushy, but we can sit within this belief system quite comfortably ourselves and um, and make sense, it's sense-making of the world. And so we access spirituality through the scriptures, through faith in Jesus Christ, and through the um, very real sense we have of the Holy Spirit um, connecting us to the spiritual world in ways and dimensions that... Um, we don't believe can happen outside of faith in Christ. So that that's sort of the ring fence of our hermeneutic community. And um, so within that, uh, from an indigenous perspective, I could step out of that community and say, we see the whole world connected, that the mat- beneath the material or inter- in, intertwined with the material is the spiritual. Uh, unfortunately, back in the 1800s in evolutionary biology, that was labelled as animism which has stunted our growth and understanding of spirituality a lot. You know, I, I try to um, deconstruct this um, specter of animism because it, it stops us relating to the world spiritually. And we need to relate to it spiritually because we live in a spiritual world that is materially tangible. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. We've gone in lots of different directions. I didn't know exactly what we would talk about, but it's been great. Um, one thing that you'd mentioned when we were emailing, and um, we don't have to do this, but you mentioned that Wyata and songs were important to you. And also, I just feel like I've gotten a sense that blessing is important. Is there a, a, a Wyata or a song or, or a blessing that you could leave with us that you'd be willing to share? Yes, sure. I um, I'm not too sure how uh, ticker this is, how right this is, but I've reinterpreted um, one of my distant fananga, um, Kenan We Huata. He wrote a song for his family by a lakeside, and um, it talks speaks of alignment, coming into alignment, lining up together, and um, learning the ways of of peace and, and love. Mm. And I first learned it at Tyrangi School in, in Cannons Creek as a kid. And many of us learnt it as a kid. Um, and uh, the New Zealand became the theme song of the <laughs> New Zealand All Blacks in the way that we learnt it as a kid. Line up together. And... Um, as I was sitting with this one day, um, contemplating the depth of significance of this call to come together in love, in aroha, in maramatanga, um, I thought, man, this, there's almost a yearning in this, 
a longing, a lament, a mortetia uh, to this song that's that's pleading with people, come back into alignment. And so I reworked the song uh, in my as a unique way as a lament. And if I may, and if Māori listeners uh, forgive me for, for doing this, but this is mm. how it goes. That'd be yeah. great. Tu tera manga iwi Tato tato Tu tera manga iwi Tato tato Hai hai mara matanga Mete aroha enga iwi Yoi. Thank you so much. That was great. <laughs> well, that's a wonderful way to finish up our conversation. I feel like we've gone really deep in a lot of different areas. So I just want to say thank you, Jay, for your time and willingness to share with us. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that excerpt of the interview with Jay. Be watching out for the full interview, which will come out soon. Until next time. <laughs>